talk. Welcome to another episode of You Talk Too Much and today is Waitangi Day so I thought I'll do an episode on Waitangi Day. Uh, just FYI, I am not Māori <laughs> nor am I Pākehā so this um, discussion is going to be in, from the perspective of myself as a full Tongan born and raised in South Auckland, New Zealand. So for those of you who do not know what the Treaty of Waitangi is, it is considered one of the founding documents of New Zealand Um, and it was created uh, during the 1800s by uh, missionaries who came to New Zealand and were quite worried about what was happening in other countries to indigenous people so it was hurriedly created by uh, missionaries and it was pushed through by missionaries um, to be accepted by government officials from Britain and to be signed by Māori rangatira chiefs here in New Zealand and so for those of you, you have to put your mind back to the 1800s when colonization was starting to happen and Britain was like a big colonial power. It was like a tsunami just taking over the world. And the missionaries that came to New Zealand, they were coming to spread the gospel to um, save people's souls. And of course, they saw the indigenous people the so-called savages is the first people that they wanted to um, convert and um, they but yeah the missionaries that came to New Zealand they were kind of different like they I think most missionaries were the same though so I don't know why something different so the missionaries that came to New Zealand they learnt the language so they could preach they uh, learnt the customs and they would live amongst the Maori and um, convert them and old churches and missionary schools so during this time when the treaty was created which was in 1840 was when it was first signed the thinking amongst the missionaries from what I've learnt about was that they wanted to create the treaty to protect Māori um, from what they saw as the assimilation of other indigenous people that were getting colonized and so you had one of so it was first signed by captain william hobson uh, as a consul for british the british crown and maori chief sangatira from the north island of new zealand the treaty uh, was written at a time when the New Zealand Company, acting on behalf of large num- numbers of settlers and would-be settlers, were establishing a colony in New Zealand. And Māori leaders had petitioned for protection against French incursions because there was uh, French people that were coming and they're starting to set up colonies. 
and <laughs> I don't know why. Um, Maori were like, ah, between the French and the English, we're going to take the English. I mean, to me, they're the same type of colonizers, the French and the English. Maybe the Maori didn't like um, garlic or, or escargot. But anyway, a Maori petition for the British uh, for British protection against the French. Um, so it was drafted uh, with the intention of establishing a British governor of New Zealand, recognizing Maori ownership of their lands, forests, and other possessions, and giving Maori the rights of British subjects. So around copies were once it was written and translated. So it was done hastily by the missionaries who wanted to protect the Maori. Um, from the worst parts of colonization and once it was hastily written and translated it was first signed by northern Maori leaders at Waitangi hence why we call it Waitangi Day and then copies were subsequently taken around New Zealand and over the following months many other chiefs signed it around 530 to 540 Maori um, at least 13 of them women so when we have this perception that Maori culture is a is uh, a person's woman actually 13 of the leaders were women which at that time was way more progressive than the british culture was i can't imagine women signing something on behalf of um the community in the 1800s um some only signed the maori language version and um despite some maori leaders cautioning against it only 39 signed the english version uh, immediate result of the treaty was that Queen Victoria's government gained the sole right to purchase land and there were there there are nine signed copies of the Treaty of Waitangi including the sheet signed on 6 February 19, uh, 1840 at Waitangi so there are three main articles of the treaty even though there's a fourth one that's been added it's just extrapolated on one of the three articles um ideas so article one of the of the uh, contract of the treaty um, states that Maori text grants governance rights to the crown while the English text so this is the differences between the English and the Maori text um, article one states that Maori grants governance rights to the crown while the English text cedes all rights and powers of sovereignty to the crown article two of the Maori text established that Maori retained full chiefships over the lands, villages, and all the treasures, while the English text established a continued ownership of Maori over their lands and establishes the exclusive right of preemption of the crown. Article 3 gives pe- Maori people full rights and protections as British citizens. So there were parts of the English treaty that, that could not be translated into Maori language. Um, So during the second half of the 19th century, Māori generally lost control of much of the land that they owned, sometimes through sale, but sometimes through unfair land deals, settlers occupying land that had not been sold, or through outward confiscations in the aftermath of the Māori, of the New Zealand wars. In the following, in the period following the New Zealand wars, the New Zealand government mostly ignored the treaty and a court case judgment in 1877 declared it a simple nullity. Beginning in the 1950s, Māori increasingly sought to use the treaty as a platform for claiming additional rights to sovereignty and to reclaim lost land. And governments in 1960 and 1960 responded to these arguments, giving the treaty increasingly central role in the interpretation of land rights and relations between Māori people and the state. In 1975, New Zealand Parliament passed the Treaty of Waitangi Act. 
establishing the Waitangi Tribunal as a permanent commission of inquiry, um, researching breaches of the treaty by the Crown or its agents, suggesting means of redress. In most cases, recommendations of the tribunal are not binding on the Crown, but settlements totaling almost $1 billion have been awarded, awarded to various Māori groups. Various legislation passed in the later part of the 20th century have made reference to the treaty, which has led to ad hoc incorporation of the treaty in law. As a result, the treaty has now become widely regarded as a founding document of New Zealand. In 1974, the government established Waitangi Day as a national holiday. So that's what we had this past weekend. The official day was yesterday on the 6th of February. And yeah, so I've been... So I've just completed my postgraduate educational uh, leadership studies and I'll, and I've just been researching um, Māori issues because that's where my interest lies, which people find quite interesting because I'm full Tongan. But for me, I've just always loved Māori culture. I've always been interested in it and just followed my interest in my postgrad and will continue to do so uh, as I go further into postgraduate study, which I'm planning to do in the future. And one of my papers was on policy. So um, one of the things that I covered was just how do I, how is my school applying um, Te Rite o Te Waitangi um, into our, our school policy. And what I found was that uh, it's uh, really just a tick box <laughs> for um, most schools. Um, it's... It, yeah, I think like I just I posted something about this on my uh, podcast social media platforms, and then I got actually into an interesting conversation with one of my past. I don't keep in contact with him now, but and he was my friend from the past, and he happens to be Chinese, and he always comments, especially when it comes to do with uh, political correct stuff. And yeah, we had a pretty interesting quarter online and it was interesting for me because I kind of learned his perspective on it, which he is into Jordan B. Peterson and you could say right wing perspectives. And of course, I'm I'm not extremely left anymore. I have been in the past, but I've kind of realized that if I want to help my marginalized ethnic community I have to think a bit differently than what people have been doing in the past because you can't get different results doing the same thing right so I have become less left-leaning from my what I grew up with because I thought those were where the solutions are and now I'm a bit more centralized but yeah so my Chinese friend mentioned that he was interested in the Treaty of Waitangi because he wants to understand it but yeah, so we just ended up in an interesting exchange. Um, like I said, all my postgrad, I think, like what I mentioned to him when we were starting it, is that basically the treaty is so contentious. Am I even um, pronouncing the word properly? Um, because the you uh, you have these two groups of people with these different world views okay so you have maori even though maori maori were quite smart if you come to think of it they understood the world power that that britain was i kind of think if i put myself into what britain was like in the 1800s and the the height of of its glory i kind of would think of of britain um 
is like a tsunami that you just had to try and survive and I think of Maori leaders as quite smart most we learn about us ethnic minorities especially us marginalized ethnic minorities we are taught by our Eurocentric education system that our ancestors were not smart that the reason why they were colonized they were um, Christianized they were um, everything else is because they weren't smart but our ancestors were smart and Maori ancestors were smart they understood the that there was something there was like Britain was coming it was a it was like a big monster <laughs> you know the global empire expansion of of Britain you, you couldn't stop it and they've learned from what's happened in America they learned about what's happened in Africa and I think Maori knew that they needed um, they needed some kind of protection they needed to play the game and so they of course they invited uh, missionaries over to to New Zealand of course they asked for uh, British protection against Britain itself because they knew that you can't if you know if you can't fight them join them <laughs> and and so Maori leaders were very smart and that and I think that's a that's the reason why out of you know we the world looks at Maori as empowered indigenous people because their ancestors had played the game as best as they could and that's not to mean that Hawaiians that Native Americans were, were silly to not do the same thing but I'm just saying that Maori were not stupid for signing the treaty they they knew that there was a beast that was coming for them in the form of colonization that they couldn't fight um, on their own that they had to play the game and I liken it to how eth marginalized ethnic minorities have uh, now we can't we can't we have to play the game just like our ancestors did I think about Tonga I think about how proud I am of my my monarchy my ancestral monarchy that Tonga is known as being the only country that was never colonized and the only reason why Tonga was never colonized is because our royal family had to mimic the European royal family to be taken seriously and to be like we don't need your governance here thank you very much we're capable of governing ourselves and so what did they do they started talking like the British royal family they started dressing like the royal fam the British royal family but they still kept our traditional uh, Tongan um, values our traditional Tongan essence they kept that but they dressed them up as equals to the British monarchy of course the British monarchy never took do you really think they, they would look at our, at our Tongan monarchy as equals of course not um, but often as my mum would talk about how there would be like a British royal that visit I don't know Prince Charles or somebody and then the Tongans would be so excited because I think Prince Charles would hook up with on a hook up sorry that's such a I'm disrespectful term but would like get <laughs> that's also disrespectful um would you know become engaged to one of our Tongan princesses of course that was never going to happen and that's that's a product of of the Eurocentric values that that westernization puts across were never equals um in their eyes you know in in so so yeah the idea that the british monarchy would ever join powers with the tongan monarchy is just laughable not because tongan the tongan monarchy is not worthy of it it's just the way that they would never go <laughs> they would never 
it down with the brown. <laughs> to, you know. But like, now they've got Meghan Markle, so of course times have changed. But um, yeah, so don't think Māori did their ancestors, their, their leaders of their community back then, they were not smart. They understood. And that's why the treaty was formed and why it was signed by Māori. Um, and, and things are never black and white. I know that the, the missionaries... Christianity has been very it's very much seen as the bad guys in this story but what I've learned from people who have studied church history here in New Zealand is that yeah the missionaries did a lot of damage because they were part of the colonization which erased and devalued Maori identity here in Aotearoa but they also had they were worried about Maori and what would happen to them when colonization happened and that's why they had such a they they formed the treaty they made sure the treaty was signed by everybody because the missionaries on the other hand wanted Maori to not be not suffer um, as other indigenous people had overseas and other colonies so yeah I was just gonna read out the interesting corridor I had online with my friend I was just kind of summer sum it up yeah so he just goes hey Nero happy Waitangi would be interested in interpretation you're studying and I'm learning out of interest and then he says doesn't governorship infer British sovereignty and then he says, context matters and British governors in 1800s had the role of modern day prime ministers and a direct representation representatives of the British crown and then I replied, hey, so I I answered it. Governorship from the dictionary says to head a public institution, sovereignty means supreme power. I said, to his, doesn't governorship infer British sovereignty? I said, based on these definitions, no. It's like saying the manager of a building owns the building. A manager never owns the building. It just manages the building. Then he says, kwana tanga, which is one of the Māori words used in the treaty, governorship and tino rangatiratanga high chieftainship are clearly different words than for a hierarchy of jurisdiction one has to trump another there is no mention of equal partnership in either maori or english version i replied i agree with you and i meet this i've spoken to other maori and i have and a lot of maori not a lot of money but I've, what's interested me is that i speak to maori and some maori don't believe in bicultural partnership because the ancestors ancestors never signed the treaty they still see Aotearoa as a Maori country and that it was invaded by Pākehā so um, I agreed with him in saying that there is no mention of equal power sharing but the understanding um, from historically from the laws that New Zealand's created from the treaty and from the Waitangi um, tribunal is that the document itself does give uh, equal power sharing to Pakeha Māori no matter what's written on that how it's been interpreted and how it's been um, included into New Zealand law is this idea that Māori and Pakeha are partners in the governorship and ownership of New Zealand and then he says, if one feels justified in questioning whether Kawana Tanga equates sovereignty, then equally you question if Tino Rangatira Tanga equates as sovereignty. 
So he says, if one feels justified in questioning whether Kawana Tanga equates sovereignty, I think he means an equally question of Tino Ranga Tira Tanga equates chieftainship. And I said, I agree. That's the problem. You've got two worldviews that are pretty different. Māori worldview, Te Ao Māori, and Pākehā, westernised worldview. Um, there's so many differences, and that's what I was thinking about today. I was kind of like, how... What can what's analogous to the situation that we're finding in, in New Zealand? And I said, thought about it. I was like, okay, think about it in a spiritual point of view. Christians versus atheists. Trying to get Christians to un I mean, Christians can kinda of stand atheists because basically society itself now is atheistic, but trying to get atheists to understand Christians and what they think, like trying to get un, um imagine trying to get an atheist to take sacrament, to take mass. Atheists have every right to be like, nah, because they don't believe in Jesus, they don't believe in repentance, they don't believe in sin. And that's the whole point of taking mass, of taking the bread and the wine and asking for forgiveness and taking it. And I was like, isn't that kind of similar to trying to get Māori and Pākehā to, to, to kind of understand one another in terms of what does the treaty mean to each other? The you know one there's so many things that differ when we're talking about this no matter how much maori has been exposed to westernization at that point in time in the 1800s maori didn't have this idea of owning land it didn't have this idea of centralized governance and this is why i was trying to get my friend to understand through the internet which is always difficult to do um so when he says can you if you can't interpret um if you can't interpret kawanatanga to mean um, sovereignty, I mean kawanatanga, I think you mean governance, then can you also not equate tino rangatiratanga to equate sovereignty? And I was like, that's exactly the problem. You can't literally translate any word from English into Māori you can kind of but not for the big ones and I understand that as a Tongan we have this word called mafana. there's no English word that encapsulates the meaning of mafana. warmness no <laughs> so again I would wish my friend could see it from that point of view but I don't know how he how he deals with his identity as Chinese so and if he can and can you know draw from his Chinese background to kind of understand the conflicts that come between Māori and Pākehā um yeah and then so after i answered him that he said okay so there's the distinct separation of maori red view and it runs in terms of governance at the time of 1840s requires maori leadership at the time to be completely ignorant but that's the thing maori weren't completely ignorant but um they, he said that maori knew the governorship meant in context of Australia and other colonies at the time signing. But again, these are Māori chiefs of different tribes, not all of the tribes. All of the tribes didn't operate as one group. And every tribe, whatever Māori he's talking about in this context, what is it, three Māori chiefs that understood the world, who travelled around the world? So his his statement, I don't agree with. And it's why it's so... Yeah. Governors were direct representatives of the British monarch, they were not merely managers. Well, yes, they always went back to Britain to get 
feedback on how things should be run but you know how often did they get feedback from Britain from from the Queen in general I would think that it would be the main things and transport and communication was very limited during that time so a lot of what the governors would need to do would be on as a manager like just in the big things just relate back to the queen and then he writes te tiriti also does not use the words kawananga alone but with the suffix tanga ship this means not just the government as a country manager but the greater concept of governance in the 19th century and all that represents the other part was for maori as british subjects subject and fears being under the other's jurisdiction um yeah but like I said, what does what did Māori like as a population understand about being British subjects when they were decentralised anyway? And each tribe saw themselves as separate tribes, even at that time. So still, his his comments, I would, they they're not really insightful in terms of understanding how different Te Ao Māori is from Westernised Pākehā worldview. Te Tiriti does not refer to equal partnership or power sharing or biculturalism. There's a clear hierarchy. Uh their governorship obviously trumps tino rangatira tanga as it obviously couldn't be the other way around if it were meant to be an equal power sharing um, sharing arrangement they would say something kawana plus sharing or maori in the crown again um yeah i get what he's saying it is i mean this idea of sovereignty and governorship governorship is something that actually implies actions and sovereignty is just an idea but um yeah and then yeah he said thank you but like like again it's really i mean if you can't understand the complexities and you're just willing to state it so like without understanding the intricacies of it then you need to do more research, in my opinion. And then he said, once, thanks for engaging on the topic. It's a puzzle he likes to enjoy rather than to denigrate any race. I wasn't denigrating any race. I don't know what he meant. That, that was the point. If anything, I am celebrating Māori identity here in New Zealand and it has nothing to do with what Pākehā... Like, I don't down Pākehā in any way and I don't... If anything, I try and bring humanity to the Pākehā side, which Pākehā do to themselves. Thank you very much. If you look at how Pākehā nowadays, they they are they're more than happy to put cast their ancestors and you know as the bad guy. Whereas I'm trying to get you guys to understand that missionaries were trying to protect that it wasn't just bad guy, good guy. That that there were Pākehā Europeans who were trying to look after the interests of Māori and Māori were trying to look you know trying to be realistic about what was happening in terms of the British empire and their power and trying to protect their own people and also work with Pākehā and then he goes on to say if Māori wants to succeed and form their own country with Māori have never said only a couple it'd be like saying like a few racist farmers from the South Island represent all of Pākehā that's just untrue I think she'd do so and put it officially through par- Parliament Māori won't do that. There'll be like a small group that might, but most Māori just want to get on with things. The public was decide through referendum how we respond to anger from there. The outcome would be good for New Zealand, I suspect. 
And then I just said Māori New Tauri addressed a decentralised form of governance in Te Ao Māori then the British decentralised form of government under the British Queen. The Māori signed the treaty cannot be recognised as representing Māori as a whole. Um, and I said, just speaking from a very point of view, and then he goes to say, the declaration of independence from New Zealand by a number of tribes in 1835 formed under a confederation under United Tribes in New Zealand, which was referred to, referred to in the treaty. The significance of the United Tribes' lasting declaration flag is widely flown today as a rallying point for Māori unity. But again, doesn't mean Māori have each their own... To our Māori hasn't changed. They... <laughs> Like, if you talk to Māori, they're not like Tongans when we talk about king and queen and stuff. They're very much about their own tribal, their own chieftainship. They're, very in, they're, they're like Samoans. They're very decentralised. Māori Party, Māori Party can't speak for Māori at the same at the same time too. And Treaty Commission reference a treaty constantly. And that wasn't what I say his limited point of view at all. I'm just saying that you have to understand how Māori in general are very different and how their worldview is they they're not tongans they're not like my people we we whatever the king of tonga says we kind of like yeah that's generally how tongas tongans are going to that's what tongans are going to follow when you talk about the maori party even when you talk about the united confederation united tribes of new zealand maori aren't like that they're going to view things from their own tribal point of view so i do think he has a very limit he has a limited point if you can't understand that um and then he says in new zealand i argue they actually have both the citizenship of new zealand and modern democracy anybody can rise to any office in the country we've had a number of deputy prime ministers and acting pms who's the acting pm leaders of the opposition i think maybe he's talking was winston peters ever the prime minister probably and the governors of maori heritage treaty is already being honored oh are you sure that was a pretty bold statement um yeah i mean if you look at the and then i just said you can debate and then you guys Yeah, and then he just said, I just said, do you have any Māori friends? He said, you're just debating. I'm not tired. I just feel like this is going nowhere because he said, I'm tired of debating. And he goes, he speaks to everyone about it. I think every New Zealander has as much to say on the issue as any other New Zealander. I think Google's a great starting point to get facts right. Like I said, he said, I enjoyed this puzzle, but you choose to turn it in and see it and say it's a winner to line of thinking that's really quite disappointing. I think there's a lot of goodwill both sides. Māori were indeed mistreated since the treaty and hence the women's supported that governments do ever step into authority as in French private properties in the British from 1840. We need to rein in that in. I think the treaty itself is quite clear respect to the sovereignty of Kawanatanga and Tinorang Tinorang the main points is being respected. Yeah, so I just left it at that. I want to reply to him because I think he's he says all New Zealanders all New Zealanders do have a right but I think we have to be very conscious like I keep saying in all my other posts Māori have suffered so that we can enjoy the Aotearoa New Zealand we we have today you can say that Pākehā have too but <laughs> um, if you look at the statistics everything Māori have suffered they if you look at the history of New Zealand I went to the Hawak historical village it was created um, by fencibles which were British soldiers who came over to protect uh, colonies of 
British settlements in New Zealand from Māori invasion. But guess what was also I learned about the village? There were Māori in the village helping them build their houses, helping them deliver postal service. So when you say that, yeah, I just don't understand. Yeah, he needs to understand where he's at because and the privileges that he has. Because, like I said before, I'm very grateful that there's a Tonga, that I can go to Tonga. It's my um, language is celebrated, that um, it's you know I can get my identity from it um yeah so I think that people like him need to remember where what country we're in like it's a Maori country and yes it's Pākehā too and we can acknowledge all the benefits that westernization has brought to this country and the, the reason why I'm a first generation New Zealander and my parents immigrated here but let's not forget what Māori have suffered to for us to have those benefits they had their language stripped away they had their long land confiscated they had negative stereotypes about them reinforced in the media and basically brainwashed to think that they were lesser than so yeah let's be very very conscious as we celebrate Waitangi to know where we're at and I wish I could have a conversation with with my friend because I've lost touch with them and yeah anyway i'm gonna reply to him now because i won't even have the first last word on my post because it was my post so i still hope to learn te reo fluently one day and i believe i will and yeah happy waitangi day Talk. Talk.